Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Covenant Eyes podcast. I am your host, Karen Potter, joined today with my co-host, Brandon Clark. Hey, Brandon. Hey, Karen. How's it going today? Oh, you know, it's going amazing. We have a really incredible guest. And like every time that we do the podcast, we are going to talk about tough topics, but we are providing some great information for our listeners to really take some action steps. And today's guest actually has a quote that I love. And I'm going to kind of read this out real quick before we jump into today's topic. But he has a quote that says, everyone has something to give. And I think that really sets the uh, kind of the tone for today's conversation, because my gosh, Every single one of us has a way that we can get involved, contribute, and make a difference. And with that, Brandon, do you want to introduce today's guest and our topic? Yeah, so our our topic today is one that's close to both mine and your hearts, and it's the family. And we see so much, Karen, how society just continues to enclose upon the family and attack the family, whether it's pornography that we deal with, a thing called familial trafficking families actually trafficking their kids. I mean, this is a, this is a thing. Um, and there's so many different layers to how the family is being attacked. And so we want to address that directly today, especially for our church leaders listening. If we don't have families, we don't have a church. And if you don't have a church, good luck having a society. We're back in biblical Old Testament times, you know, if we don't have any moral compass. So we're excited to talk about that. And who better to have that than Jakub Uyens. He's a, a host on The Blaze, and he's doing some amazing things in the areas of sex trafficking, in the areas of fighting for the nuclear family. So Yaku, thanks so much for being on with us. Yeah, Brandon and Karen, thank you. Uh, what an honor. We love Covenant Eyes. We daily recommend Covenant Eyes, no matter where we go in this country. Uh, it's an incredible resource. Your work is to be celebrated. Um, so thank you. It's a huge honor to be on with you today. And thank you for your patience with me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, we're, we're honored too, to, to speak with you because, like I said, you're doing so many great things. Uh, for our listeners who maybe haven't heard a lot about your work, can you just give us a brief rundown on some of the things that you're involved with, uh, including the podcast that you host? Yeah, look, uh, this journey for us started in 1994. So it's 28 years of our family being in this world that today we call sex trafficking, sexual exploitation of minors. It's a long time and and you learn a lot. And, you know, that journey has led us through 53 countries. In 2015, we made a decision as a team to really uh, hone in our critical focus on the 50 states of the United States, because I realized that we were left behind as to paying attention to America's children. You know, we're we're doing an incredible job sending missionaries around the world, in the church particularly. But I'd say the mission field today is here. It's America. And it's in our backyard. And, And the statement, everyone has something to give, is a fact. Even the homeless guy that I meet tomorrow He's got something to give. And so um, it's fighting sex trafficking, sexual exploitation of children. But really what we do, Brandon, we we do gap analysis. We look at the crimes against children and sexual immorality of cultures globally. And we do gap analysis and look at trends and how Satan moving. That's really what I do every day. I wake up in the morning and I hunt Satan. I hunt him. I find out where is he moving? What is he doing? How is he coming? How is he coming for our kids? You know, and then we, God is so good to us. The Holy Spirit is, always allows us to be early 
Like we wrote an op-ed in 2019 that published early 2020 that comprehensive sex ed will come to America. And then, of course, it came. So he allows us to see things early. And then we partner with over 172 nonprofits in the country, and we resource them with resources and gap analysis and best in practice. And then we write legislation, policy. We go to war with Washington uh, or Texas or all the other 50 states and to protect children and to to bring the nuclear family back together, to get fathers back in the home. So it's a lot. So I encourage people to go to our website and see there's a lot of resources of which Covenant Eyes is a resource that we recommend. You know, we don't need to go build Covenant Eyes. We, we find the best and we celebrate those people like Covenant Eyes and we highlight them and say, look, here's something that you can do today to impact your family. And uh, uh, I have not find, found anything really that is proactively better to do today than Covenant Eyes, where a parent can actually go and do something and feel empowered again because society wants to strip parents from power. So it's really restoring morality. It's restoring a nation. We say faith, family, then freedom. We can't take the Constitution and make it God. We can't Amen. make the Constitution Bible. No, it's faith, it's God, then family, because I, my number one job on this planet is to steward what God's given me, which is my wife and my children, yes. and then the community, the freedom part of it, right? And so we have to be in alignment with God's order. Mm, so good. So, I mean, really, your organization and the work that you do is about restoring lives and transforming culture. It sounds like it's kind of all packed in there, and it's centered around the family, which is fantastic. Let's talk a little bit about some of the work that you do uh, to help combat sex trafficking. And and how are you working with Christians or churches across the USA to um, empower them? Is it just strictly through kind of doing that, that analysis and providing resources? Or is it through educational speaking engagements? Like, what are you doing specifically? Yeah, really, because of, we've been in it so, lo so long, Karen, we, we really touch every aspect. I mean, we even have a unit that aids in rescue and placement, although that's not, you know, we don't run a safe house. And then I serve on nine other nonprofit boards that are in this fight to, co to co collectively solve the problem. But no, for churches and schools, we physically go in person. I mean, we trained 20,000 high school students in Dallas, Texas alone last year. We physically go into the school because we came to the realization that this fight predominantly is doing triage. So most of the organizations, they, they, they recognize there's a problem when there's bleeding, when someone got hurt, when a child is exploited. And we need to do triage, but we have to go upstream and restore the family and empower the child to not fall prey and fall victim to trafficking, to not get stuck in pornography. So I, I call that raising the risk profile of the child because a predator analyzes risk, like an investor analyzes risk. So if predator goes on TikTok, Instagram, Discord, uh, Pinterest now, and starts a conversation with a child, and he's measuring the child like a first date. If you're married, like your husband, you know, or if you're dating, measured you, can I hold her hand? Nope, not yet. Wait a minute. And they're measuring the child. And as long as the child is okay, they progress. And that's called grooming. They didn't indoctrinate the child. Well, we have to then also go do the same. We've got to go to the child and inform the child, this is how a predator talks. This is what they do. So that when that predator then starts communicating, the child says, wait a minute, 
This feels a lot like this guy could be a predator. The child puts up resistance. The predator goes, high risk, I'll move on. Because they don't, they don't, predators don't break walls. They, they go where the, the coast is clear. And they just, they'll talk to a thousand kids a day to find one that needs, that's desperate for that affirmation. So yeah, we do a lot of training, train churches, pastors. I'm ordained, I'm a pastor. We speak in churches, mm-hmm. train youth groups. And then we we train every single law enforcement agency on planet earth that's on the good side of the ledger. We've worked with them. I mean, I was in Israel working last week. Mm-hmm. So, so um, it is education and awareness of how this happens because there's such an injustice to this fight because Americans for the most part we're painted this picture that trafficking happens in other countries and it's always kidnapping all while 1% is kidnapping only 1%. So the movie taken is such a misconceptualization of what really happens. Right. And so they don't look in their own communities. They don't consider that their child can be talking to a predator while sitting at the dinner table because they didn't see a white van kidnap their kid. They think, It's out of sight, out of mind. And so the most dangerous enemy is the Trojan horse. It's the one that's already inside, that takes time, that can work, which is why Covenant Eyes is such an incredible tool, because it helps fortify the immediate vicinity, right? So I can talk forever about Covenant Eyes. I can be a spokesperson. (laughs) (laughs) We love it. Well, thank you. But, you know, you bring up a really good point that as parents, we don't realize we have invited this uh, right into our homes. Our children Mm -hmm. have access to these potential groomers and predators 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I think there's a real lack of education among parents on how these predators are reaching our kids through the gaming devices and all the social media platforms. Um, Being a parent today really requires you to be proactive and educated. You can't just sit back and let life happen anymore. Is that is that true? The, the, The days when you can trust it's always proof and verify, then trust, and proof and verify is gone because for the most part, on the, on, the, on the conservative, and this is not a political statement, from a value system, okay? On the conservative Christian side of, of society, we build things, we build family, we build business. People are busy, they work, and they have trusted government, school, authorities, even the church, the youth pastor, to kind of raise their children. Those days are over. Yeah, those days are gone. This is the day now to become a helicopter parent, to be to to superimpose yourself. And you're not your child's friend. You're not supposed to be their friend. You're supposed to be a protector early on. Then -hmm. you become a cop, which is cop phase from seven through 14, 15. Then you become a coach and then you become a counselor. And American parents are not trained how to transition in parenthood of no I'm copping right now. I don't care that you don't like it. I am the police. And now I am your coach. I'm your coach. And, and you're on the team and you do what I say. And people, no, 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 no I, I don't. I'm like, my child. And then they come with cancel culture. And I go, listen, man, no one can cancel a son and a daughter of God. You can't cancel me. I'm here because God said I'm here. I'm, I, you can't cancel covenant eyes. They can do whatever. So it's just time for parents to understand two, two very dangerous things are happening. They don't know how Satan works and they don't know how God works, hmm. but yet they're Christian. And so they're stuck in the middle. And so they don't know the power and the authority that they walk by as men and women, sons and daughters of God. 
and that there is an answer. And every question you have, biblically, there is an answer. And they don't know how Satan works. So you're really stuck. And if you look at Sun Tzu, who's not a believer, but he wrote the greatest manifesto on war. And there's not a single war that's not fought this way. Bill Belichick runs the New England Patriots this way, which is why he wins Super Bowls. You, you have to both know yourself and your enemy. Okay. Right. And if you've got to know yourself and God and your enemy, you have to understand that Satan will pit you against yourself. He'll pit you against God. He'll bring division in the home. So I say this to fathers, to covenant eyes specifically. The second anybody in the household, particularly an, an authority figure like a father or a mother, the second they engage in porn themselves, so one o'clock in the morning, dad takes 10 and a half to 11 minutes by average Americans for his porn session on porn. He opens a gate to his household that Satan now has access because he is the authority in that house by God's design. So if he understands God, God would say, you're the authority in this house for you and your house serve the Lord. For you stand as a watchman on the wall, Ezekiel 33, 7, and you warn, you warn. And when you let evil in, Satan on the other side of the ledger, he's got authority. He takes access. Now he comes after the kids. Parents tell me often, my kids have nightmares. Then I ask the dad, do you watch porn? Yeah. Okay. Stop watching porn. Your kids will stop having nightmares. They go, no, there's no. Yes. Everything is spiritual. Everything is connected. That's why when we let this kind of an evil like pornography into our lives and our homes, it doesn't just hurt me. It hurts everybody. That's I so love that profound. message. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, I think part of the problem is, is that a lot of people don't realize we are at war. We are in a battle. It is a spiritual battle. And they come at it with all the wrong weapons. You know, God gives us the weapons that we are supposed to bring to this battle. And yet we show up with, you know, things that don't belong there. So I, I just I love what you're saying here. Sorry, yeah, Brandon, I, I didn't need to jump in there. <laughs> no, no, I think it's a good important point because I think one of Satan's uh, greatest tactics is to take out the patriarchy. You take out the leader of the family and the family's going to fall. And so I think that's a, that's a really important point you bring up, Yaku. You know, one of the things that I also think that we should mention is just how we can talk to our sons and daughters. So, you know, there, there's so many different levels here to unpack, you know, from, from social media and just cell phones and when to have cell phones uh, and, and just that idea of intentional parenting. Uh, you know, it's, it's really tough because we as Americans think that busyness is a virtue, you know, and so we, we get so involved and, and our kids are in every activity and there's just no family time involved in family life anymore. You know, how many families can actually sit down at the table and have a meal together? I, I don't know a lot of families that do. And so can we talk a little bit about that aspect of family time and, and being able to talk to our sons and daughters, especially for fathers and leaders listening and taking up that role that God has given them. Yeah, man, I want this podcast to be a seven hour podcast because this is so it's so important to to have these conversations. This question you're asking, think about it this way again, knowing the enemy, knowing God, the enemy is going to throw the kitchen sink at you. So there's really no way if you if you if this is a football game and you go, OK, guys, we got to be prepared for everything they throw at us. We will spend all week preparing on what they may do and we'll show up Sunday and not have our own game plan. 
on what we're going to do. And that is the posture of the church in America. That's the posture of Christians. React, react, react. And I go, wait a minute. I serve the God of the universe that owns the cattle on the hills. And I'm not going to react. I'm going to initiate. I'm going to set the conversation. I'm going to take authority back here. I'm not going to react to Satan. So because I would be so busy but, but playing whack-a-mole that parents get overwhelmed versus do this establish good rapport and relationship and trust in your family so that your children freely share their mistakes, that they freely converse with you, that you sit down. Eyeball time is so underrated. This is why COVID was catastrophic by shutting people down. Human interaction is so important. Playing a board game, having a meal together, saying we're doing breakfast together. We're doing dinner together. We're going to sit and have FaceTime, not the app, but real value in our presence. Because when two people come together, there's an exchange of emotion and spirit and energy. Something happens. And when a father takes the initiative, mothers, we love you, okay? And we are equal. But the father needs to step back up in America. The father, ha- the, the male figure has to step back up and become the hunter again, to hunt evil. To, to be the prowling lion that stands on the wall for his family, to show his family there's order in this household. I'm going to be disciplined. I'm going to honor my commitments. We're sitting down every Wednesday night, and we're just going to have time together. And then show your son by example. Son, here's where I made mistakes in my life. This is what I've learned. Because it trains your son that he can come to you and share his mistakes. Hey, Dad, you know what? I'm struggling with porn, and dad's not going to kill him or disown him or throw him out of the church, which is why our pastors are committing suicide, because they got nobody to talk to. They can't ever be human. And if you establish that, you basically nullify anything Satan can throw at you today, tomorrow, whatever, because you've now built rapport to where there is a healing mechanism where truth and transparency is in your house and your children will come to you for you to coach them and to counsel them or to cop them and they will submit how many parents and my kids don't listen to me set authority in your house but you do it with in-person relationship you build trust you build rapport right and, and that that has to happen because otherwise we're so reactive and, and then you can say now listen guys if there's anything that come against us as a tribe our family I encourage families, fathers, we do that on our Watchman uh, Warrior Retreat, where we take father, sons, and, and they transform in one weekend. The father writes a creed for his house after he prays. And this is the Boyan's family. This is who we are. This is what we do. It goes on the wall. The sons in the house sign off on it. This is the men of God we're going to be. You don't have to worry about women. Women Women were made for, for establishing structure. They're great. You don't have to converse, you know, uh, convince women to do that. When a man leads, the women will be there. They will show up. Look at school board meetings. Where's the dads? The moms are showing up. Where's the yeah. dads? The moms will show so up. Don't worry about them. Get the dad to show up, and you're going to change the whole family. 
Wow, <laughs> that is that is incredible. And I think um, for any of our pastors and our church leaders that are listening to this podcast, uh, this is definitely an opportunity to get engaged. I'm just kind of looking through your page on the Watchmen Warrior Weekends. You have them all over the country. So there are plenty of opportunities to um I mean, pastors could introduce this to their men's ministry so that dads and sons can sign up for this. It's for both dads and sons, correct? Yeah, the, the oldest son that we've engaged with in Chicago was 67, and his father was 92, and the youngest son was six weeks old. Oh, that's beautiful. And, and, then, and then fatherless boys come. I was a fatherless kid. I was raised by a single mother. And here's what happens. Brandon, I want to say this to you, and this is not to put you on the spot, or or to ridicule your father, your earthly father. But are you aware that American males are, are some of the only male society on earth that does not have a rite of passage when they turn 12 or 13? A ceremony. Did you have a ceremony, a rite of passage ceremony? No, I didn't. Why? Every other culture, every tribal culture. When I was 12, they gave me a gun, they gave me some food, and they said, 48 hours alone in the bush. If you live, you live. If the lions eat you, they eat you. But you're going to become a man. Now, we don't do that on this weekend, but we do call boys into manhood. And it's a spiritual, spirit, we call 40-year-old men into manhood. you got 35-year-old men today that are woke, that have never become men. They're boys. They're stuck at 12, 14, 15. They still need to be copped. But they're supposed to be in a phase where they're counseled. You can't counsel them. They're throwing bricks through, through, through stores. They're setting buildings on fire. But 26 years old, you can't counsel that person. That person skipped two phases of life. He was never, he was never coached. He was never copped. So you have to go re reset. And we do it in a weekend. The greatest testimonies comes from the moms and the girlfriends and the sisters that say, what in the world did you do with my husband? This guy... A guy left and a warrior came back. A son is so beautiful. They repent. We get rid of sin. We break generational curse. And then there's a moment where that father writes a decree for his house, but he also writes a decree for his son based on what God says who his son is. And he calls that boy publicly. He calls him. He calls him. He calls him out. It's a big moment. He gets celebrated. And you watch a 12, 13-year-old kid walk through a gauntlet of men, and they just transform. It's a yeah. moment in their life where they go, I'm called for something greater. Men will support me. I'm never alone, etc. We can mm. fix these things, man. Yeah, you know, that's a really great point that you bring up. And I think for fathers listening uh, and church leaders listening, these are things that we could bring into the church. Uh, have if you have a men's group, you know, have your men's group write a decree. Have the men on a Sunday morning with a, a pen and paper, and and have that as their their take home. Right, uh, write a decree before next Sunday before you come back, because this is one of the most important things we can do as fathers. Like I said at the beginning, you know, if we lose the family. We not only lose the church, but we lose society. And uh, it, it's it's a big challenge. I will say this. You asked me about 12 or 13, you know, if I had a ritual. Uh, that's when I was exposed to pornography, actually, age 12. When we even just think about sexuality, like how are dads teaching kids about sexuality? Well, I, I've heard 
that uh, that dads will hand their kid a, a porn magazine or, or show them pornography. And that's how they teach him about sex. Like we're so distorted, Yaku, in how we parent. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that, too? Yeah. And you're so right. Look, we can't we have to become intellectually honest again in this country. It, it, only a woman can give birth. And a, and a woman is one with a womb. You don't have a womb. You can't be a woman. God is God. Sin is sin. We can't, we can't start interpreting the Word of God. It's not to be interpreted. There has to be truth and justice. That truth will set us free. We can deal with any sin, and there's forgiveness, but we can't change truth. So when a father does that, hands his son a porn magazine, culture looks like it looks today. Because we had two presidents hail a scientist as the greatest scientist in American history, named Alfred Kinsey, he rewrote what sexuality was for the American male, and broke this country. But he was celebrated. He was celebrated by the church, but he performed sodomy on six-week-old boys. You, you will, there will be a price to pay. There's always blood. There is a price to pay for aborting children. There's a price. And so our country is in a tremendous moral turmoil because of what we did. It doesn't work. The black community is in perpetual turmoil because they removed the father. You restore that one element. You incentivize the father to stay home versus leave, and you're going to change the black community. It's not difficult. But, but you must tell the father, first, drive sin out of your own life. Walk by example. Your family will come in alignment. So yes, father give their sons a magazine. Mom give, moms give their daughters a book. What if I tell you this, that I have proven this, that if a father has a conversation about sex with a mother, with his daughter, when she starts puberty, that girl is saved for life. She builds a bond with her father that no predator can come in and wedge in and earn her heart. Because that's how predators work. They actually earn the child's heart through familial trafficking and through a coercion online. Fathers have to understand it's our role to father the family. No, you're not going to go have explicit conversation about the menstrual cycle with her, but you're going to be there. You're not going to shy away. You're going to bring love into the conversation. You're going to be present. You're going to express that. I know you're dealing with something very difficult. I just want you to know your mother and I, we're here for you. We will cover you. This is a season where we are paying attention and you need our attention and you need grace and you need love versus, dear God, I can't talk to her. And, and immediately there's this gap. Why is, why is the average age of sex trafficking in America 12? Because predators understand. Karen, you went through puberty between 12 and 15. There's outliers, but let's say 12 and 15. You didn't know your body. You were confused as heck. Hormones started firing. You noticing boys. You notice boys, your aides are idiots. So you like older boys. The predator knows this. So the predator comes in in that time. The predator also knows you're not talking to your father at that time. There's a gap between you and your brothers. And he comes in and says all the right things at the right time because he's very experienced and he earns your heart. He earns your trust. Well, a father can earn his daughter's heart in the middle of puberty. He should. He should. Because now he's transitioning from cop to coach. 
Now she will see him as coach and she will come to him and say, Dad, in my darkest, most confused hour, you didn't have the answers, but you were there for me. I trust you. You showed up. You showed me grace. You didn't disengage. Now I'm going to trust you when I'm looking for a boyfriend. Now I'm going to trust your counsel when I want to marry a guy. Now I'm going to trust you when you say, that guy's not good. You're now my coach. And then you become my counselor. This is how we fix this stuff, Brandon. And we teach parents how to have those conversations on on our website. You know, I'm really curious. We've talked a lot about the father. What's the mother's role in this? What, what message would you have for the mothers out there listening? Because they, they play an important part of this, too. Absolutely. So the mother's role with her daughter in that season is one of compassion and reflection. The, the daughter has to remember because they don't. Hey, mom was also 12. When I went through this, I struggled with Parents are so afraid to share their failures. And I'm telling you, as a former professional athlete, you learn more in your losses than you do from your wins. If you truly analyze it from an intellectual perspective and a mom sits and say, look, I am not you and I don't know exactly what you're going through. But let me tell you what I experienced. And you vicariously talk about yourself and the child goes, wait a minute. That's exactly what I'm feeling. Wait, mom. You felt this way? Yeah. Yeah. And let me tell you what happened to me. And let me tell you, I didn't have a dad. And I'm so thankful for your father. Wives, hear me today. This is, and you can tell your husbands, they might not be happy with me. But let me, let me tell you something, Karen. No man calls himself into greatness. No man will rise up. A woman calls a man up. A man can call a man up, but when a woman calls a man up, golly, guys will give their lives for their girls. Amen. When a woman (laughs) calls a guy up and says to a guy, man of God, even if he wasn't today, I don't care. I don't care. Man of God, thank you. You're a good father. Thank you for engaging in our child's life when they're going through trial and turmoil. Thank you for not disengaging. Thank you for driving sin out of, your, out of your life. Thank you for walking by example. Thank you for providing for the family. You're going to watch a guy straighten up. And when your daughter hears you talk that way and you do it publicly, it changes how they see their father. And remember, everybody listening, we see God as we see our earthly father, until we have an encounter with God. I didn't have an earthly father. He abandoned us. He was never there. So so all of a sudden, God is the one that abandons. God is the one that doesn't love unconditionally. Until you meet him and go, wait a minute, that's not who he is at all. He's the perfect father. We can fix these things. So the mother must engage from from an attitude of compassion from attitude of sharing your own mistakes, your own pain points, your failures at the time, and not think, let me tell her what to do. No, let me talk to you about what I experienced, because it's the same. Nothing is new on earth. And, and so if you tell your child, I know exactly how you feel, they're going to go, no, you don't. A wall is up. I don't need to tell you that. I'm going to tell you how I felt. The child will connect it. Man, that's exactly how I feel. Wait a minute. That's right. Mom was 12 too. Mom was 13 too. My heart was broken too. I made a mistake also. I dated the wrong boy. I, it's, and and I, I used a drug. I watched porn. Right? And so 
all of a sudden the child goes, wait a minute, there's a bond here. We, I can talk to this woman. I can talk to this man. That's it. Evil wants separation. It wants a wedge. It wants a separation between father, son, father, daughter, mother, son, mother, mother daughter. And it comes a time, moms, when you got to pass your son off to the dad. He will cling to you until about 12. He will be with that. But then there's a time when you need to sit your son down as a mother and say, now it's time for you to become a man. And I'm handing you over to your father. I'm always here for you. I'm with you. But you now need to learn from your father. Now, people will say, well, what if the father is a criminal and the father's not there? Of course, we have to evaluate the situation. But maybe it's the pastor. Maybe it's grandpa in my life. Maybe it is the football coach, right? If he's vetted and he's not a predator, right? But the father figure, moms need to sit boys down and say, this is your hour. This is the time now. You need to now understand that there's responsibility. That's healthy. (laughs) It's amazing. amazing. You know, and what really troubles me is that you mentioned that that kind of 12 year old age where, you know, you got to pass the baton over to the father with the son. And interestingly enough, pornography exposure is typically between the ages of nine and 11 for most children. So during those very formative, very important periods of time, Satan is coming at our kids in a way uh, that I don't think we quite understand. I mean, they're being exposed to brutal, horrific pornography. This is not the pornography of our parents, you know, the Playboy magazines. This is horrible stuff. And it's at that formative um, age. So that's just really interesting to me. We need to be on guard as parents. We need to be, like you said, uh, there's a time to be the, the cop and then there's a time to be the coach. And we need to know when those time frames are. Yeah. And if a mom, if a mom has a healthy relationship with her son and a mom walks out, the son now gets an image of what a strong, healthy, godly woman looks like. The son inherently now becomes a defender of that. He wants to defend that. So now when porn comes to the son, he goes, this, this degrades women. I wouldn't ever want to see my mother or my sister in this situation. I can't partake. I can't partake. I'm a defender of women. And, that's, and that happens in that bond. And then the mom passes him and says, now dad's going to train you how to defend. Dad's going to coach you how to see evil. Dad's going to coach you how to literally, and this is, and look, you may fault me for this. I was raised in corporal punishment. My three-year-old son right now, I wrestle him hard, very hard. He's going to punch and he's going to take physical pain at 12. And he's going to learn that physical pain cannot break him. That he should be willing to put himself at physical risk to defend a woman. That he shouldn't take his cell phone uh, circa 2022 and film a woman being punched in the face so that he has an Instagram post. He should put his phone down and throw his body in front of the woman to defend and protect her. And I don't care if the woman then says, I can defend myself, okay? No, you cannot against a grown man. My son has to be a boy that will actually be willing to put himself at physical harm's way to defend women, to protect their honor and their image. That's a leader in society. And then he's gonna be trained to hold his his buddies accountable. You wanna run in my circle? We defend women. 
We mm-hmm. honor women. We honor our mothers. We learn from our fathers. We don't shy away from a fight. We don't initiate, but we'll go to war. Monday to Sunday, man, say when, and it's on. That is how you approach Satan in the community. Now think about the American man, emasculated, silenced, 22-year-old white guys apologizing for being white, like they had some, some skin pigment decision in the birth canal on their way out of the womb, and they picked the wrong color. I mean, it's insanity. Men has to be restored. And women, I'm asking you, you've got to call them up. You have to be confident enough as a woman to understand no man can replace you. Impossible. So be confident in that. So be confident with strong men. Train your daughters. They want to marry a champion. They want to marry a warrior, a guy that loves God, a guy that will step in front of a truck to defend his family. Yeah. An Ephesians 5 man, one who's willing to lay down his life as Christ lays down his life for the church. Absolutely. You know, as we come to a close here, Yaku, I I mean, I would love if we had seven hours because I got so many questions. But um, what message would you have for the church? Because I think the church has sat back and sat in its own pews for too long. So for the leaders listening, what message would you have for them about encouraging those who walk through their church doors to be these leaders, to be these husbands, to be these fathers, to be these moms, to be these wives that you're talking about? Look, I preached a sermon at Upper Room Dallas uh, three weeks ago that people can go see Upper Room Dallas. And I preached this sermon. The time's up. It's done. The spiritually, if you understand the biblical timelines, the time is up to be lukewarm. You had a season where you could be lukewarm and coast and float it's up. If you, if you confess yourself to be a man of God, you are at war. So get your physical body in shape. Eat differently. Get your mind right. Get in the word of God. Fight for your family. Hunt evil. You need to step up. And the pastors, stop shying away from these conversations. Lock the doors to the church and say, today we're dealing with sexual immorality in love. And we're not going to shunt you or shame you or condemn you. But we're not going to show. We're dealing with it. We're going to fortify marriages in this church. We're, we're spiritual gluttons in America. We've got so many sermons. We know so much about God. And we're never on the battlefield. Yes. Come on. This is war time. <laughs> this is time to go contend again. No, but it's easy to say, you know what? I'm earning the money. Mom will contend. No, you coward. You gutless one. You spineless one. This is not who God made you to be. Step up and go contend. And that doesn't mean guns and bullets and fists flying. It means you're stepping into the danger zone and you take a stand and you don't move. Why was David different than his brothers? They were older than him. They were soldiers. David understood the authority that he walked by and the rest of the Israelites did not. That's the only difference. David understood that that uncircumcised Philistine is nothing Porn, porn, the giant, is nothing. Pornhub is nothing in front of a man of God that takes a stand for his family. But that man of God first, anytime someone tells me, I want to fight sex trafficking, Yaku, I go, okay, great. Do you watch porn? And they go, well, yeah. And I go, you can't fight sex trafficking. Because the spirit that you're in agreement with will not allow you to call it out of other people. It won't. 
It won't. First now you go and, and repent and depart from sin. God will hear your prayers, heal your land, your temple, your home. Now you can become a warrior and step onto the battlefield with us. Right. So the, so many pastors fall in this trap. And I'm, I'm begging the church to go to war by understanding who God is and by whose authority we walk. Amazing. <laughs> so good. Well, I think uh, for all of our listeners today, I know that you must feel just empowered here to take some action. So what would be the, the CTA, the call to action that we want to give all of our listeners to take after listening to this podcast? Download Covenant Eyes. Tell everybody about it. Get it on your devices. Secondly, then go to our website, yakuboyansministries.org. Educate yourself on sex trafficking. What is familial trafficking? How can parents sell their own children? How can evil convince you to do that? It's very real. It's the fastest growing form of trafficking. It's familial. The coach, right? Because Satan wants proximity. Train yourself. Educate yourself. Invite us to come speak at your child's school, at your church. Come to a Watchman Warrior event. Bring us to your church or your men's group or your boardroom and engage. Engage with us. Let's get proactive. And then you can follow me on Instagram. We use that channel solely for fighting trafficking. We use our TikTok channel solely for praying Satan out of people. Engage with us, please. And, and so honored, Brandon, Karen. I know I probably didn't allow you to get to all your questions, but just the respect is so massive from our team to yours. And uh, can't say enough about you. Likewise, Yaku. I mean, we we definitely want to continue to partner with you and your work because you're doing amazing things. And we thank you so much for your time. And, uh, you know, just be willing to be bold in not only sharing this message, but living out the message. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. It's by the words of our testimony that they will come to Christ. Amen. 100%. Thank you again. Uh, Karen, as we close here, what's your takeaway for today? Wow, there's so much packed into today's episode, but obviously for the men listening, there's we have a lot of work to do. I, well, we, not me. <laughs> you all have a lot of work to do. And thanks, from thanks. the female, yeah, no, get to, get busy. Um, from a female perspective, though, I think it just reminds us of what our role is and how we need to support our men and to call them up to who God has created them to be and to build into them. So I just, I think there's a lot of work for the church as well in this space. So Personally, I'm going to lean into my own local church here a little bit more about how we can engage with um, some of the programs that are out there that can help our men uh, step into that role, because that's what we need. Our nation needs that desperately. Yeah, 100 percent. I think my big takeaway is the decree. I've actually never written a decree. And so I want to go home and take it to prayer and write a decree. And I've got a lot of good buddies who are good Christians who don't have decrees either. And I think there's something about having an idea in your head versus actually writing it down and living by that. And so I really want to encourage my buddies, um, myself included, to write a decree to, as Yaku was saying, go to war. You know, our families are under attack. That's why we had this conversation today. And one of the things that we can do like any successful army has is a battle plan. And that's where that decree can come in. So that's my takeaway, Karen. 
Awesome. Well, I think that brings us to a close for today's podcast. We do want to thank all of our listeners for joining us. Please leave us a review, hopefully a five-star review. We love those. And then also also (laughs) send us your feedback. We love to hear um, topics that would be of interest to you and ways that we can support you and the work that you're doing in your local churches. So from everybody here at Covenant Eyes, thank you and God bless. Take care. Mm